And please turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13. And we will be considering verse 22 tonight. Proverbs 13 and verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. So here again, we have a contrast between goodness and evil. Uh, And the theme uh, in this verse is the transfer of wealth. Uh, We must always be reminded, of course, of the nature of the Proverbs. Uh, They are divinely inspired sayings, uh, but they're meant to be understood as generalities, pretty much, and, and not as hard and fast rules. Although in the spiritual realm, we can apply some really hard and fast spiritual rules, which we will tonight with this proverb. Uh, <clears throat> an example of a, of a proverb that you've got to be careful about making as a law is uh, Proverbs 22.6, where it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, many have taken this verse as an absolute promise that if you raise your children right, they'll turn out well. Well, generally, it is the way that that works out, but not always. Uh, We have much greater hope that they will turn out well if we've trained them diligently. Uh, We know that salvation is all of grace, and there are exceptions to every rule. Um, And uh, if you make this particular verse that I've just quoted here, if you make it a hard and fast rule and an absolute promise, then you'll rule out the operations of grace, of sovereign grace. You'll puff yourself up with pride if your children turn out well, or you become totally depressed and discouraged if they don't. But we need the exhortation to train our children, of course, uh, up in the Lord, and it is our responsibility. And so we have these Proverbs to encourage us to do so. And we'll be talking more about that uh, later on. So, so it is with this proverb we're looking at here tonight. Um, uh, it's much more likely that a good man will leave an inheritance for his children's children than it is for an unsaved man. Uh, but there are good men that have nothing material to leave their loved ones upon their deaths. And uh, there are evil men that leave vast fortunes to their children and their grandchildren. So this verse here is uh, for our instruction So let's see what we can extract from it for for use for us tonight as we consider it. In spite of what I've said about the nature of a proverb, there are also absolute universal truths to be considered uh, in a number of the proverbs, and we have one here tonight. First, I want to mention this, and that is, it is as an overall observation, as you look at this verse, I want to consider one universal truth that is an absolute law in this proverb, and that is that all of our earthly possessions will be transferred to someone else. Isn't that brilliant that I figured that out, right? Um, You know, there is no third category of people that can say that they get to keep their wealth. Uh, You can't take it with you. And whether you're a good person or an evil person, everything that we own, uh, from our socks to our toys to our houses and our cars, will someday be owned and uh, possessed by someone other than ourselves. Uh, it's not a breaking news flash. 
We all knew that, but we have to be reminded of these things because we can easily get so used to, to our ownership of things and get too attached to them, and uh, and we lose our Christian perspective. It's uh, it's uh, hard in such a materialistic society as what we find ourselves in to keep a heavenly mindset, isn't it? And Luke 12:15, and Jesus said to them, "Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses." And yet we live in a society where it's very much geared in that direction, isn't it? But we're taught in Colossians 3, 1 through 3, it says, "If if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth." For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we're exhorted this way throughout the scriptures. Uh, we need to have the right perspective on our earthly things, and this is essential to a healthy spiritual life. Remembering that everything you have is yours only for a time, and then it will be given to someone else. It's helpful in keeping our perspective on these things. Second Corinthians 4.18 says, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, the second thing I'd like to point out is this. Leaving something for our children is desirable and good. It's a righteous thing to do estate planning for the benefit of our children and our grandchildren. And it's an evil person that has the goal of using up all his wealth upon himself in his lifetime. I need to qualify this, of course, because, um, you know, there are people that have to use up all their wealth in their lifetime. They get uh, get uh, uh, put into a nursing home, for example, and they might even have a substantial nest egg, but they can't leave it for their children because it all gets used up there. And um, uh, that, that's a very common thing. There's nothing unrighteous about that. It doesn't mean that they're unrighteous if that happens. But what is to be said then for the poor and the faithful Christian that does end up in a nursing home and all his assets are used up before he finally dies? Has this proverb no relevance for someone like this? Well, uh, here's the blessed truth of this proverb. And that is that if we look at it from a spiritual perspective, as you see, we've been doing that with the Proverbs, haven't we, uh, uh, as, the, as the occasion comes up. We can see that this proverb applies to all of God's children, and that's the way I want to apply this tonight for us. For what is the greater wealth to leave for our children and our grandchildren? Well, physical wealth or spiritual wealth? Well, we know the answer to that to leave a, 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 an inheritance of spiritual wealth. George Lawson says this. He says, It is better to be the son of a poor saint than of a great lord. And he means wealthy land uh, uh, lords in, in, uh, in England, uh, understanding the language there. Um, For every believer will acknowledge that a single promise in the Bible is far better than a large estate. And parents that are anxious about the state of their families after their own death, if they believe the scriptures, will be more desirous of having them in a state in promises than in land and money. The poorest Christian 
we know, has a treasure within him that's greater than all the wealth in the world. Uh, and that's a treasure that he, he, cannot, he can keep not only for himself uh, or herself, but also it's a treasure that constitutes the greatest inheritance we can leave for those that we leave behind us. And uh, that treasure is Christ in us. Uh, Christ in us in all that we do and in all that we are. Christ in our character. And our children will remember our godliness and have our example of godliness and always to remember and to seek to emulate. Uh, Christ in our priorities. And our children will remember that we place the proper value on things. Uh, Christ in our living and Christ in our dying. And I remember that I told you this story more than once, but that, that this, uh, in this uh, old woman that I was visiting in a... Uh, assisted living facility, and, and her uh, lamentation was that she said, I, well, the thing I, 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 I hate the worst is that I just can't do anything more for my children. And uh, um, everybody wants to do, do for their children as long as they can. And I said, well, you have one more very important thing you can do for your children. She said, what's that? I said, you can show them how to die like a Christian. And this woman did so. And... Um, uh, see, a godly person uh, leaves so much more that's so much more valuable than uh, earthly possessions. A godly person's prayers, for example, for their children are better than all the gold in the world. And if you've been able to instill in your children just a God-centered worldview, uh, you've left them a rich inheritance uh, for them for the rest of their lives and even in for eternity. And if God, in his grace, is pleased to save your child, well, then their future is secured no matter what troubles befall them and how poor they might be in this world. Christians are commanded to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when we do, we're doing more for them than is done for the wealthiest families in the nation. Think about that for a moment. We're doing more for them than the Rockefellers or any of the any of the big names that you think of, if you're teaching your children about Jesus, you're doing way more for them. And especially if they have the memorial of you and your example as truly living the Christian faith and truly believing it. But there are Christians that neglect the well-being of their children. We're not surprised when worldly people leave no spiritual inheritance for their children. But what do we say about the believer that neglects the souls of his children, that never reads them the Bible, that never prays with them, that isn't setting a godly example for them? See, that neglects the means of grace. A parent that doesn't Pray earnestly for their salvation. What do you think of a parent like that? What do you say about such a Christian? And there are such Christians. It makes me very sad for them and for their children. And I'm old enough now to see the outcome of this kind of neglect with regards to several families that I have known, some right in this church that are not in this church right now. Uh, Proverbs 29.15 says, A child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And, of course, he also brings disaster upon himself. Such a parent brings disaster upon his own children and great sorrow upon himself. And in the last day, what will he say? 
when his children are cast into the lake of fire, knowing that he did nothing or very little to prevent the awful fate that they see them partake of. You know, I remember when my kids were uh, with me and, and I was raising the children, and I remember many nights that I did not feel like gathering the family together for devotions. I, I, I have a pretty stressful job, or it was, it was, it was much more stressful back in those days. And I would come home, and I did not want to. Everything in me just rebelled against the thought about gathering the family for family devotions. But then I would think about their souls, and I would think about how much I love them and how much I uh, care for their souls, and um, how important it was what I was what I was supposed to do to show them the way to Christ. The way to Christ. Now I wish I could say that I always taught them from the overflow of my Christian zeal and love for God. That's not true. That's not true. But the truth is that there are many times I did so solely for fear for their immortal souls and, of course, out of love and pity for them. But how can you say you love your child if you take no pity for his soul and and uh, go to no pains to save them? And there, like I said, there are Christian parents that have done that. George Lawson says this again. He said, many fill their brains with projects and their souls are vexed with anxious cares. In these labors, they may be successful. But in the meantime, the thoughts of eternity are banished from their minds. And when they, that is, their children, are inheriting the fruits of their earthly mindedness, what pleasure will it give them to think that their children are rioting in the enjoyment of wealth and probably laying up for themselves treasures of vengeance? And this is a sad case with some. John 6:27. do not labor for the food which perishes, but the food which endures to everlasting life. So the truth is, the greatest of our possessions, if they can properly be called that, are our children. And we have a good hope of bringing them with us to heaven if we will be faithful with the means of grace. Um, uh, this is an inheritance Indeed, a far greater inheritance than any earthly inheritance left by the richest and most powerful people in the world, as we've already mentioned. But I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, I, I, I actually don't know, and I know that there are exceptions, but I actually don't know of a parent like the one that I just described that had a happy outcome with their children. Now, I have known parents that have been faithful, very faithful, and they've had one or two of their children or several of their children that, didn't turn out uh, uh, following the Lord. And, uh, and that is the case occasional, occasionally, but it isn't, it isn't the rule. What I see as the, far more common is faithful parents, uh, God is pleased to save their, their children, uh, not, not every time, not all, always, but unfaithful parents, uh, one in a thousand. Maybe one in 500. I don't know. But I haven't seen these kind of parents ever have one of their, Christ, their children come to Christ. So um, uh, it's, it's so important. And we're going to be talking about that uh, next week as well in the next, uh, uh, the next uh, couple of verses. But here's a word for you, though. If your children are, are grown, but they're still not in the Lord and, and they've, they've grown up and left your home, 
And I know we have cases of that in our church. Well, we don't despair. Don't despair for their souls. You can still pray for them. God still hears your prayers. And you can still be a godly example of Christian piety and love for them. Uh, God may still save them in the 11th hour. And God does save uh, many people this way. And my advice is to you, uh, give God no rest until he saves them. Uh, let God know that if he's to pass them by and allow them to perish, he must do so to your most, uh, by saying no to your most earnest prayers and your greatest desires of your heart. Uh, so we need to be earnestly in prayer for them. But what can be said for those who have no children? I realize there are those here as well. And hence, of course, no grandchildren. Well, I have good news for those that are in that state. And that is that you can leave a good inheritance for those that come after you. We have that in um, Isaiah 54, verse 1. It says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Um, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now, of course, this prophecy is, is immediately after chapter 53, which is the clearest prophecy of the sufferings of Christ and the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ in the entire Old Testament. And so I believe that this is a, a sure prophecy of the superior fruitfulness of the gospel over what was found in Old Testament Israel. And I believe that's, of course, the primary application. In other words, the New Testament is much more fruitful than the Old Testament. And we know this to be true. And Christ was that barren one when he died on the cross so shamefully. And the disciples thought that all their hopes of a heavenly kingdom were dashed. Now, this is while Christ was, was on the cross and in the grave, their hopes were dashed and Christ was barren. But chapter 54 begins with this perspective. Sing, O barren one, cry aloud. See, Christ's sufferings brought forth many more souls to glory than the Old Testament Israel ever did. Uh, the Jews had some proselytes among the Gentiles, but the gospel brought forth multitudes all over the world, and he's still doing so today. So that's the real application the, 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 of that passage. But how does, I believe it does apply uh, to single people and couples that have been denied children. I think it's obvious uh, single or childless people might accomplish much more for the Lord than if they were married with children in some cases. Think of the examples of Isaac Watts and David Brainerd, to just name a couple of men that are famous for their godliness and for what they've left for the Christian community and uh, they're notable examples of those who had no children. And yet, can we say that they've left no spiritual inheritance for their spiritual children? Certainly not. They've, 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 uh, uh, we, they, they've left a wonderful inheritance for others. These and countless others have a, left a spiritual inheritance to multitudes. So you don't need to be barren in a spiritual sense. And that's the most important sense anyway, isn't it? Another passage from Isaiah that speaks to this is Isaiah 56, 3 through 5. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, 
Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now, isn't that a wonderful promise? It really is. See, God doesn't leave any of his children as those on the outside looking in and only wishing for a blessing. Uh, Many of those who seem to be on the outside, for whatever providential circumstance there might be, will find themselves blessed more than those who seem to be on the inside. So, uh, you have Psalm 113.9. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children, you see. And so I believe that these are legitimate things to look for. You look for the spiritual fulfillment of this and, and ask God, how is God using me uh, in the church and in, and in the lives of others? And, and, and the spiritual fruit that you bear will be much more significant than anything that you might have uh, left for children or grandchildren. Well, the rest of the proverb says, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, what do you think about that? How, how is this true? Do we not see the wealth of sinners being passed on to their children as a general rule? Yes, we do. How is this then fulfilled? Well, I believe that this is fulfilled in the oft-repeated saying that we hear repeated so often in the Old Testament, and Jesus repeats it in the New, and that is that the meek shall inherit the earth. Turn to Psalm 37. I want to show you that. Here in Psalm 37. Let me read verses 5 through 11. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I think it's promises like that that this is referring to. Verses 16 through 17, again. A little that the righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Look at verses 18 through 20. The Lord knows the days of the righteous and their inheritance See the word inheritance. Their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish. And the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. Verses 25 and 26. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Verses 27 through 29. Uh, Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. 
The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. See this wonderful promise, wonderful promises in verses uh, 34 through 36. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Then verses 37 and 38. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. Now, all of those from one psalm. And uh, so go back to our proverb, the, the, the second half of the proverb, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. You see, I think this is exactly what he's talking about right here. It's the only thing he can be talking about. Um, uh, note the, that the word inherit and inheritance in these verses that I've just read. And, um, and, in, and in other passages that we see the idea of inheritance without the explicit word. And I think about this. Think about all the many rulers that have used their wealth and their power to extend their earthly realms. And where are they now? Where are they now? Where are the kings of Assyria and of Babylon and of Persia? Where's the wealth of Alexander the Great? The Roman Empire. And uh, to move to modern times, uh, where's the wealth and the power of Hitler and Mussolini? Um, how about Saddam Hussein? Uh, and we could name a host of others if we had the time. They and their descendants did not inhabit the earth in spite of all their power and all their wealth. But we, the followers of Christ, will. We'll inherit it all. And without sword and without earthly wealth or power, indeed, we already have inherited it. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. He says this, he says, Let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So we think about that. We already have these things. And so when you consider the wealth of Bill Gates or Elon Musk or others like that, uh, their wealth is stored up for us. It belongs by right and by inheritance to the children of God. For the inheritance that we have from the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate inheritance. And it's the only really, Jesus Christ really is the only really good man as we consider our, our proverb, Right? Uh, Proverbs says that uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Well, the the absolute best example of a good man is the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? And uh, and so, in the ultimate sense, it's Christ. Uh, for there is none good but God. And this good man has left an inheritance for all of his children. And we can look forward to our inheritance in the new heaven and in the new earth. And all the spiritual blessings we have even now. And this inheritance will make any temporal earthly inheritance. Now think about this. 
It'll make any temporal earthly inheritance, no matter how vast, seem as though it were a pile of rubbish. And so Paul said in Philippians 3, 7 through 11, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So, when you think about this inheritance, a good man shall leave an inheritance to his children's children. Jesus Christ has left this wonderful inheritance to his children and his children's children and his children's children's children now for all these many centuries. And we can rejoice in that which he has given us. And we have something to pass on then to the future generations. And I think about these little ones that are elsewhere in the building here today. And I think about the inheritance that is laid up for them too. And that, that we can, we're going to see salvation amongst many of them. I think we already have. And uh, see God working in them. Um, so what is the inheritance that you're looking for? Uh, where, is, where is your mind? Where is your heart? Is it, is it with, with the inheritance that comes from this good man, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it something here in this world that you've tied your hopes to? And every, everything that we tie our hopes to in this world is, is going to disappoint us. Because we will have to give it up, everything you have. And you just take a look at it. Go home and look at your things. Look at your car. Look at your house. Look at all the things you have and you can say, hmm. Someday there's going to be a possession sale. Someday these, maybe some kids are going to fight over this particular item. Whatever. Certainly not going to be in my power. Certainly not going to belong to me. And I'm not going to be enjoying it in the life to come. And uh, no, it's all going to be transferred somewhere. But the inheritance that we most want to see uh, for our heirs, and whether they're physical heirs or spiritual heirs, is the inheritance that the Lord Jesus Christ has for them. So if you're not in Christ today, why not? Why not call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to save you and tell him that you want him to for your Savior, that you, you're sorry for your sins and you want him to forgive you for your sins and to, and to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. And uh, then it doesn't matter how successful you are in this life, uh, you're 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 very successful, and uh, you have this great inheritance. So let's pray.